0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer, I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and in this episode we're going to wrap up our discussion of the marriage relationship. Whenever a marriage has reached the point of polarization, where it is no longer the husband and wife working together, but two locked in combat. What is to be done? The man and woman are so very unhappy. The children are suffering tremendous emotional stress. And when a civil word barely passes between the man and the woman, it is pretty safe to say that not a lot of Bible study is going on there either. When it has reached that point, you can also count on the fact that very little prayer is being offered by the husband for the wife or the wife for the husband, because if it were, the anger and hatred would subside. You cannot remain bitter toward one for whom you are praying. So what is to be done? Over the years, I have been amazed at the advice brethren have given one another to deal with these marriages that have been allowed to go to seed. The most incredible one of all is, go ahead and get a divorce. It just means you can't get married again. Worst advice has never been given. Whenever a marriage is broken by divorce, someone is always guilty of sin. One does not have the biblical right to walk out of his marriage in search of an elusive happiness. The sins of a mate may leave an innocent Christian very few options. However, both the innocent and the guilty should remember there is only one reason given in God's word for divorce and remarriage. It is found in Matthew 5.32 and in Matthew 19.9. That one reason is fornication. Divorcing and remarrying for any other reason is sinful. If an individual marries after they have divorced for a reason other than fornication, they have committed sin. Adultery is what the Bible calls it. But we must understand that a divorce and remarriage for any reason other than fornication is a sin. Some have advised a brother or sister to go ahead and get a divorce for a reason other than fornication there is sin number one, both in the doing and in the advising. And then in the future, if their former spouse marries someone else, they would be free to marry. That is absolutely not true. If we look at Matthew 19:9 9, without the exception clause, the meaning is clear. If a person has been divorced for a reason other than fornication, they cannot remarry without sin. The passage says, Whosoever shall put away his wife and shall marry another commits adultery, and whoso marries her which is put away doth commit adultery. Divorce and remarriage is not an option where no fornication has been committed. I've actually known of some who thought they could manipulate their way around God's law of marriage and divorce by denying their spouse his or her God-given conjugal rights, until that person became so frustrated that he or she went out and committed adultery. It is incredible that such conduct would need to be discussed in a series of episodes dealing with brethren, but such has been done and that advice has been given. 1 Corinthians 7, 1-4 clearly shows that the denying of those rights to one's marriage partner is sin. We cannot commit one sin in order to cause another to commit an additional sin whereby we might benefit. How do members of the Lord's church even think of such things? Others have advised, well, don't get a divorce, but just separate and live apart. I've even heard some call it a legal separation. I suppose you can get such a thing via the laws of the land, but not in God's law. Again, 1 Corinthians 7 1 through 4 would clearly show. That such conduct is wrong sinful and ungodly it is possible for a couple to separate for a period of time but not indefinitely but this separation must be by mutual consent for the purpose of giving themselves to prayer and fasting and they must come together again to avoid the temptation to commit adultery that satan would place before them look at first corinthians 7 and verse 5 where paul wrote defraud you not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Others have advised couples to remain in the same house for the sake of the children and in recognizing that they have no right to divorce, but to live essentially in a platonic relationship. That is not God's design for marriage. That is in violation of 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 4. That is putting a band-aid on a gapping wound. It is not fixing the problem, it is compounding it. When a marriage of a brother or sister is falling apart, the goal is to fix it, not to destroy it. The marriage would not be in that state if they had walked consistently with God in the marriage in the first place. The marriage will never be fixed by leaving God out of the solution. In every marriage that I have attended or conducted, somewhere in the ceremony the phrase, till death do you part, was mentioned. In each of those weddings, both the bride and groom said, I do, or I will, or yes, some affirmation of their vow to stay together until death causes them to part. In practically every wedding that I have attended, and certainly in every one that I have conducted, Matthew 19:4 through 9 has been read. This is what it says. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They said unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, commits adultery. And whoso marries her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Therefore, in each wedding there has been the recognition that God does not approve of divorce, that it can be rightfully entered into for only one reason, and to do otherwise is to sin before God. In each wedding, both the bride and the groom have recognized that only death can end a marriage without sin having been committed. And in each wedding, both the bride and the groom have vowed before man and God that they would stay together in the marriage relationship until one of them died. All of that being true, does it make the slightest bit of sense to be mean or unkind to each other? Having vowed to live together until one dies, what can there possibly be that is worth arguing about to the point of nastiness? Having worked hard to fall in love when no promise before God had been made, doesn't it just make sense to keep working hard to stay in love once we have vowed before God that we are going to love, honor, and cherish that person? Nearly every wedding I have attended or conducted has involved a younger couple. In practically all of those weddings, a prayer has been offered in which thanks were expressed on behalf of the couple for one another. As you see them gaze into each other's eyes, as you see the smiles, the tender touches, the little expressions of affection, you just know that they are thankful to God at that moment as they can possibly be. I wonder at what point so many stop being thankful. It is such a simple thing, but I guarantee that if you start the day by thanking God in your morning prayers for your husband or wife, and if you close the day doing the same thing, it's going to be a whole lot easier to keep that feeling alive. Why is so much emphasis placed upon what we don't have? If I am truly thankful for someone, I'm not going to mistreat him or her. On the contrary, I will protect and cherish that person. You may not be blessed with the wealthiest husband or the most beautiful wife. He may not be a CEO, and she may not be the world's best cook. He might have a pot belly and be losing his hair, and her beautiful brunette hair might be getting gray. But the husband and wife belong to each other. God joined them together. So friends, let us always be thankful for what we do have and not worry about what they are not. Thank you for listening to this important series.